Hey, this is John Levin of Dawkin, and you're watching CMS TV. that was a little taste of unearth brand new stuff from the new album the wretched the ruinous and here to join this wretched and ruinous show the one the only it is buzz mcgrath from unearth buzz how are you brother here. oh i can't hear you <laughs> of course not yeah. <laughs> you're sort of re reconnect man go out and come back in okay so that was pretty awesome that uh i think two poltergeists just shot out of my speakers when you played that <laughs> he'll be back in a second he's definitely coming in <laughs> but right yeah on. yeah they're they're heavy man they're definitely a heavy you know me dude you can't make the music heavy enough for me is he the singer now he is this? the uh drummer or um guitar player guitar oh. player cool no or drummer drummer i don't know <laughs> but uh yeah <laughs> No, he's the guitar player. I'm wrong. I'm, I'm okay, trying to remember. Right. You know, they they've had they've had a few lineup guys, but he's one of the original guys. Let's see. He is back. All righty, there, man. Maybe now. There you yeah. are. Perfect. All right. What is this, up? I feel us? like this this happens every time. Like, of course. <laughs> you know, we're we're well aware of it with the live show, man. It's it never goes smooth, man. Well, dude, yeah. how you doing, man? Good to see you once again. I'm all right, man. Good to see you. Yeah, man. So, so, dude, uh, I, before we get into talking about this, this is going to go way, way back. And you may remember this, you may not, but it was a fun story for me. A zillion years ago on, um, I guess it would have been Oncoming Storm uh, for you guys. Um, you guys, I, I was doing a show called The Metal Show on WMMS here in Cleveland. And uh, we brought you guys in. We used to do these things called extreme sessions where we would bring the bands in like in the afternoon of a, of a day that you guys had a show. And we would invite like a, a little small little thing, like eight, 10 fans at most to a, to a recording studio in town. And you would come in and you would, um, you know, you guys would play like three or four songs and then you sign autographs or, you know, take pictures with, with fans or whatever. And we, we brought you guys in to do this. And um, what I remember was, I don't remember if it was a tour manager or if it was Trevor one back then, whoever it was that was handling you guys at the time on the road, we used to, we would get this little tiny budget for, for like a rider. We called it a mini rider. And we were like, you know, and it usually it was cause you guys are coming in the afternoon. It was like, okay, we'll go get you some, some fucking lunch or something. Right. So we asked you guys, or we asked whoever it was, what do, what do the guys want? Do you want some Boston Market or rotisserie chicken or Burger King or whatever you guys want, right? The response we get back is three bottles of Jack Daniels. 
<laughs> so I, I knew that was coming. <laughs> so we were like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> so we go get the three bottles of Jack Daniels. You guys come to the event. We have a great time at the event. You know, the, we, you guys kicked, kicked ass. I mean, it was, it was weird because we, most of the time when we had bands do it, they would come in and do some acoustic version of what they do. Not you yeah. guys. You guys came in and you know, we're in a little <clears throat> recording studio about the size of a closet. You guys are just, you know, I, rem- just, I remember it. Yeah. Uh, it was great. Uh, yeah. It was, it was like a little awkward. Cause like, it's all like the songs are just like moshers. Right. It was like, like, <laughs> Where people, the people who were there were like, do they expect us to mosh? Is this that type of event? So it was a little confusing to everyone involved, but it was still fun. It was totally fun. But what was the most fun was after the show ended, you guys just kind of, the quote unquote stage was maybe six, a six inch platform off the actual floor. It wasn't like a stage, but you guys just kind of came to the edge of the stage Somebody went and got the bag of the of um, Jack Daniels, ripped them all open, and you guys were just passing the bottles around of the Jack Daniels. Yeah, everyone in the room was hammered. You guys, <laughs> and the moshing began. It really could have been. I mean, there was only like 10, 12 of us there. Everybody was drunk, and I just remember saying to my radio partner at the time, "I was like, how the fuck are these guys going to play their gig?" and six or seven hours or whatever, but you guys did. You came back. I think you're playing at Peabody's down under or something. Yeah. We were, we were a little bit younger then. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. now, now you'd still be sleeping, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're trying, we're trying to be in bed by 10 PM. Exactly. <laughs> Very good, dude. Well, dude, obviously, man, uh, the reason you're on tonight is um, you have this killer record and I'm sure you heard me talking about it in the, in the walk up. The yes, wretched, the ruinous is, without question the i will say best record you guys have done since um 2004 5 like oncoming storms always my kind of go to and yeah uh, that's everyone's go to yeah this is as good or better man bravo to you guys for still having the fire to to bring this kind of rage man fantastic thank you yeah thank you for saying all those nice things about it i it's cool to like work hard on something and you know, just have some positive feedback on it. Right. It on, must man. all start with you also. I mean, as far as the writing of the songs, I mean, this is like a guitar driven, you know, band riff wise. So it must start with you, right? Yeah. So that's the riff. And then I mess with some drums and then we get the drummer in on it. And then vocals, uh, Trevor sits in the demos and stews on them and gets his, uh, gets yep. his brain nice and mossy. And then he, <laughs> he has something cool to yell over at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. Now, 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 Buzz, with with this one, I mean, it's it's been a little while. It's for you guys. It's been what five years since Revelations. Is this pandemic music, or is this stuff that you wrote after? I mean, where where or because I imagine you as a guitar player, especially pandemic. You know, Eric is a guitar player. He plays with Stephen Piercy, and I know you guys all. When you have nothing to do, there's a guitar in your hand, and you're like, "Oh, let me put that on my phone." you know, and, and then you record it for your phone. So is that how it went with you or, um, or did it, or did you guys come into session to write? No, it was, we just, I had time, you know, I just had okay. a ton of time and I would just pick a day, a couple of days a week to, I would just sit in front of the computer all day and okay. just hammer out riffs. Cause you have to get rid of the, uh, the bad ideas for me sure. writing. Okay. Um, 
it's like a muscle that you need to like work out. So when you jump into it, I'm, it's just all dog shit coming out. Right. So you have to, for me, I have to fight through that and push and push and push. And then at the end of the day, maybe you have a kernel of a good idea. But for me, it's all about how much, like just putting in time. And I had a lot of time and it wasn't like, I mean, I didn't do shit for like months, just, you know, sure. hung out and did drugs and fucking got drunk <laughs> for the, most of it. Uh, but, you know, I was like, I started thinking, all right, I want to do, make some more music. And it just, we had time and it, we had a bunch of songs too. So okay. we whittled it down to like, you know, the 11 or the 10 that's on the record. Right on. So there was a lot of material there. Definitely. Well, look at who joins us as well. It is Trevor Phipps. Trevor, how are you, man? What's up, gentlemen? Good to that see is you. That is T-Bone to you guys. That's right. Good to see you guys. <laughs> we'll address them as such. That's right. <laughs> well, well, not, Welcome, not Mr. T-Bone, sir. That's Hello. we're just we're just talking about you guys as great, great release, dude. And I I was oh, I was I was telling Buzz, you know, as we got started, I put this right next to Oncoming Storm as far oh, as yeah, your catalog, man. It's just but I, I do want to address that this one, for anybody that has followed you guys over the years, it's a very different record for you guys. It's, to me, it's the most different from anything that you've done. You know, stuff like we we played a little bit of Mother Betrayal as an example. I love that big, thick, kind of slow vibe that you have going in a part of it, you know, in 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 parts of, of the songs. You know, it's a different record for you guys. It's not just bludgeon you to death for an hour as you do a lot of times so was that something that you guys worked on putting into the the newer stuff or is it just the way it developed um i feel like i just love big shit okay you know like things that like i like barry manilow choruses (laughs) air supply big things happening yacht rock backstage after the show always (laughs) i feel like always that is like kind of my inspiration. That's like big, big sounding shit, you know, big moments, right. big energy. <laughs> I don't think uh, air supply and unearth has ever been compared <laughs> before. No, but it's like the, 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 uh, I guess the mojo behind it is similar. Sure. The energy for me. I mean, this is a, a fucking leap for anyone to take, but <laughs> only I know. their entire catalog. Yeah. <laughs> very nice well guys before before we dig dive too deep into the record i do want to go backwards a little bit you know we were talking a little bit about the pandemic and i, and I don't want to get into a whole pandemic conversation but i imagine for you guys and from what i know about on earth you guys are a live band that's that's you guys's bread and butter is is being out on the road and playing i imagine for you guys this the pandemic was an absolutely murderous terrible time not just financially but just because you're so used to being out there playing you know how did you guys get through it how did you survive it uh for me i mean i it was it's it was very strange to not to play so i think that it definitely wore on me um emotionally in one sense is i've been playing in bands since i was 15 right um and so it's the bulk of my life and so when that, that could cut cut off it was it was really strange and um of course, it was strange for everyone, but to, sure. to lose that entirely was was uh, it definitely affected me. Uh, but yeah, I I spent the time with with family, uh, a lot of quality time with my kids. Um, I was able to find some some uh, some work later on in the in the pandemic and and learn some new new skills on that that sense. So I, I made the most of it. But um, sure, yeah, le- le- leaving the performance stage uh, 
and getting to play music with your friends around the world is, was uh, definitely something that I missed uh, terribly. Sure. Was it hard to get back in? I know, I know it's easy to get awful comfortable. You know, you get comfortable being home, you see your kids. It's like, all right, I'm not, you know, sleeping in a van or on a bus or in a hotel, you know, you, you start getting comfortable once you come off the road. Was it, was it hard to jump back into it or were you like, nah, fuck it. I'm ready to go. I couldn't wait to play. Our first show back was Furnace Fest uh, okay. a couple of years ago. And that for me felt great. Like it was, that's like one of my favorite shows we've ever done. Cause like we haven't played in so long and then just, I felt the love there that day. Sure. It was like, for me, it was like moving. Yeah. It was a, a very posy fest is what it was called that day. Like everyone was so happy to be back at a gig at a festival and a lot of old friends. That was, that did was you say a, Fonzie fest? Fonzie <laughs> fest. <laughs> Pause fest, but oh, I'm sorry, I missed it. I was always pausey, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, right. Liz Buzz is not an IPA. <laughs> wow, look at you slumming it, <laughs> making, making strides. Um, yeah, tour, tour was once, once we kicked into touring full time, it was uh, it felt really natural. That that wasn't until this past summer, okay, the end of July, and it was real, uh, our first real tour, and that felt that felt unreal to be back. Um, sure. It was uh, an emotional experience to be back out there and having, having so much fun. Sure. Now, now I, I've been to, I've been to, you know, now I've been to several shows, but that first, I don't know, I'll say six months when people started feeling okay to, to go to shows, there was a time, you know, in what early 2021 when there were shows, but there was, then there was mid to the late 2021 when everybody started getting comfortable or and, and I right. do want to say started getting comfortable because I went to a couple of shows that I would have expected to be completely sold out shows, you know, like seven dust in a club for like 1500 people or whatever. And they were not attended very well at first. It was very, you know, there's like 400 people at a, at a venue that's always sold out for bands. And for you guys, did you see that, that it was kind of a slow, slow build for the audience to come back or were they back right away we, for we you had shows uh when we first came back that were they would have like 600 pre-sold tickets and okay. only four only 400 people would show up yeah, yeah. like what happened I mean, to the like people that got 200 people got like cold feet or mm -hmm. maybe it was like it was starting to spike again and people were like i you know i should probably stay home so that was weird yeah it's it definitely it's it seems like it's taken a little while for people to get back but i don't know to me it seems like people are back you know now now the last show i went to it was absolutely packed i didn't see a mask anywhere in sight and it was like all right i guess people it's are over this thing. now yeah yeah <laughs> which is very good man well guys for for you you know um wretched the wretched ruinous as we said it is five years after revelations i don't know you know it seems like I'm saying this more and more that it's been this many years and it's a long break or whatever. But I think with the pandemic, you, you really kind of got to erase those years. I mean, do you think if we hadn't all been locked down, you would have had a record out quicker or did you guys more or less need that time to take a break and recharge regardless of what was going on? I think that's usually our pace anyways. Okay. We've had records that are two years apart. We've had records that are four years, but this was extra long. Um, but the record was it, it it was on pace to be out before. Uh, just we had some we had some delays. Uh, didn't finish vocals on time. Then I had to play with Will Will Putney's schedule to to finally finish up the vocals. Um, but yeah, about three or four years is is our is 
more of our time frame the past few records. Sure. Um, it'd be good to pick it up a, a bit faster. Um, <laughs> right. The next one, but, um, you know, this time will tell how this album cycle goes. Uh, Extinction's album cycle got cut in half. Right. We were, we're, we're in Europe, actually, in early 20, 2020. Um, we flew home on March 1st. So it was, oh, wow. it was full It was full on pandemic in Europe at that time. And it was really sketchy to be there. But it's funny, we flew to the U.S. and it was like almost like nothing was going on yet. It took right. us all two weeks before things got, got weird. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, that, that album got cut in half. Um, album cycle got cut in half. And then, uh, yeah, we I mean, we didn't do much the first year. Joe, Buzz actually made a joke over email once. Uh, I forget exactly what you said, Buzz. It was something like, we should we should just break up, pretend to break up and come back in three or four years. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> like you get that when you <laughs> retire and then you like bands do it all the time, like break, break up and then they all reunion show. And now it's like everyone's psyched again. Right. <laughs> and we you, had just said reunion show. Would be yeah. You could have got the blabbermouth buzz twice, you know, got yeah. the, got the breakup announcement and the rejoined announcement. And exactly. You know, look, it's on earth. They're back. And so is shadows fall. You know, it'd be like, look at all these reunions happening. <laughs> it would have worked because we couldn't have done anything anyways, because we had members where our band has always been scattered around the country. Every since the, the initial nucleus of the band that started mm-hmm. the band broke up, we've been kind of scattered around the country. Sure. So it's not like we were getting, it's not like we were doing any, any touring. Right. So, um, or even doing live streams, you know, so uh, it wouldn't have made sense to, to make yeah. that, that fake. Well, for the next pandemic, keep it in mind, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Surround the corner. Right. <laughs> well, well, guys, one one big change in the band, and it's it's not so much as a change as a reunion. I see Mike came back on drums after a long time away, what, 15 years or something away from the band. How how did that happen that he that he comes back after so long away? Uh we are uh, Drummer Nick, who was our drummer for about 10 years or so, mm-hmm. uh, he decided to leave the band. So we were, you know, kind of thinking, who should we get? And then I know, Mike's name just came up and we like had a conversation with him and he was into it and it was been fun. <clears throat> what was it? Did he have to kind of relearn, not not relearn the parts or learn the parts because obviously, but did did he change as a player? Because I know, you know, with with any with any musicians you know y'all got to kind of find your way to feeling comfortable and how you play off each other whatnot live when somebody goes away and comes back they come back with their old ideas i think he changed uh he got more groovy uh, okay. from spending the last however many years playing drums from madball okay yeah so he he played drums from madball and still does and that band is really groove based sure mm-hmm. so uh i think that helped him really hone that part of his craft okay very yeah, it's, good it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun playing with mike again um he's a pro out there in the road he's he's from the northeast just like us and it's it's uh what it's happens why did he leave in the first place what happened uh we we kicked him out uh like in 2007 okay we weren't i th- we think we just weren't getting along our like the four of us went in one direction and he went to another one and okay. we just, musically or or politically not really just like personally like, and okay. it just like we kind of really just grew apart to the point where like you know we can't really we weren't having a good time with them, but I think we've all we've all grown and changed in that time. Right. Like we right. were way different people back then, all of us. Sure. Yeah. So how I mean, do you? In, in, how, in, how do you in hindsight, get... I think maybe we could have approached it differently, but you know that's you can't right. have hindsight really. And we were right we, were, we were in our twenties then, and things weren't going well. 
between four members versus one, and right. it just came to a, 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 a boiling point after sure. a few shows got uh, got messed up. But he's a true pro, and he's awesome to be on tour with. And um, happy he probably back. appreciates it more. Appreciates being back and getting another chance to rock with you guys again. And he stayed active with a bunch of bands, especially Madball, and they're they're on tour right now in Europe, killing it. So, and I I just saw a video tonight online of him, of him singing singing for Madball for a song. Oh, wow, I saw that. It was awesome. He was going, going nuts. hard up there. Yeah, <laughs> looking, for, That's... looking for my job, man. <laughs> yeah, you better watch your back, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Always nice. Well, guys, the band, the the business itself. You know, when I first met you guys in the two thousands there was still money to make, you know, there was still money to make, at least in recording, you know, now that, that business is gone. It seems like, it just seems like there's no real financials to make. It seems like you guys make records as an excuse to get back out on the road and play and, you know, maybe sell some merch at shows or whatever. So what is it that makes you guys continue to write full length albums and, and record. Cause it is a process. And, you know, like you said, you work with Will Putney. Will's one of the most in demand guys in the world, which means you got to, you know, direct your time and your schedule around, around his time and around you guys individual time to record. And you do that knowing that you're not going to get, you know, a hundred thousand sales or 50,000 sales or whatever, you know, it's just so hard to make money with it. What drives you to keep doing it? Um, I think just you're right. We should stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that <laughs> you just got you like full length albums. Are they really even like in demand anymore? I don't know. I think maybe just that's what maybe we're old and that's just what we're used to. And that's what we do. Right. Um, and like, the music's in there and it comes out and you feel like you have a good batch of songs and you want to show them to people. Right. Do you find, do you find that people are like, do they come to the shows and buy, I don't even know what format you buy anymore, CDs or vinyl or, or vinyl. I think Trevor, we usually just have vinyl now. We do, do we even bring CDs to shows? Uh, we don't bring them to the shows later in the cycle. At first we do. Um, okay. Sorry, I gotta go get my son. He, he woke up from. The bed. I'll, be, I'll be right back. <laughs> okay, right no problem. But yeah, vinyl is hot. Like people buying that all the time. That just outsold like CDs for the first time in like thirty years or something. Yeah. So crazy? the vinyls, the vinyl does well. Like because you can do all color variants and people are just into it. Like I think that's pretty cool. Right. No, I mean it's cool that it's back. the The weird thing with vinyl is I don't know a whole lot of people that have a turntable. And I, I think people buy the vinyl as a collectible, you know, yeah, more or less. I think a, they still have it downloaded, probably. Yeah. but they want a lot of people. A lot of people like to like the piece, you know, like like to have mm-hmm. it. And it's because it's cool, you know. Yeah, and like v- vinyl was like, it was taking a long time to get made because everybody, like the the pressing plants, threw away all the equipment to make the records. So wait times on to get vinyl done is like nine months. It right, got crazy. Yeah, it's it's. It's definitely a different animal. I'm always curious for guys like like yourself, you know, bands that don't have the Metallica catalog, you know, that that every time they shit out anything, it sells, you know, it sells and they get a billion streams and all that stuff. For for regular kind of blue collar metal bands like yourselves, is there any benefit at all 
to these streaming services? Because I know it's not money. I know it's not, well, we're out there online and we're making cash because every band I talk to, they say, well, we've got eight zillion streams and we've made like $32, you know? Yeah. So do those services help you guys just because it puts you out there to, for people to hear the music or is it just kind of, this is what everybody does. So you do it. Yeah. It's kind of both of those. Like this is what, this is kind of, if you want to get your music in people's hands, you got to deal with this unfair system. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, if it gets people turned onto your band and into the show, they gets people into the building. Um, that's what you do it for, you know? And right they, like Spotify, for instance, I, I never see anything. I've never seen a dime from them or <sighs> whatever, but there's other, there's other revenue streams for that. Like if it gets played on radio or XM, there's like, you can get a little bit, a little bit of checks from, from those plays, but we're mostly in the ticket and t-shirt industry. Right. Exactly. I, I know, you know, not that it helps a whole lot, but maybe it puts a nickel in your pocket at some point for, for us, you know, we, we do a lot of the social media stuff and all of the social, the, the dumbest shit ever, all the social media things now have, you know, the, the YouTube shorts or the TikToks or whatever, the, the reels, they let you put you guys's music in the stuff as part of the deal. <laughs> so I yeah. always try to put like the smaller bands, into you know bands that i'm a fan of like on earth you know i I like to try and put that stuff into the reels because i know at least there the youtube shorts or the reels or whatever they get a lot of plays and you know it's like all right well maybe we can help somebody out a little bit that needs it you know yeah that's great you know it's it's but how sad is it that we're in that world now where you got to be reliant on getting your song getting 30 seconds of your song into a a quick clip or something. It's, it's and you hope and you hope it's uh, goes viral and just people see it a lot, you know. Right. It's, it's just it's it's such a weird business that we're in now, man. I mean, it's it definitely it, it's amazing to me that the live the live industry completely overwhelmed the recorded industry because you know when you talk to when you talk to old guys like me, you know that grew up on I don't know. Led Zeppelin, Motley Crue, Deep Purple, whatever, you know, and even the 80s into the 90s, even the corn and stuff like that. It was about, it was, you know, you bought a record, you got into it, you you read the liner notes, you knew everything about the band. It was a it was an experience that you carried on forever. Now, you know, you see a graphic on a on a screen on Spotify that's the size of a postage stamp, and that's about as close as you get to the band. Yeah, the the whole adventure of like you know bring home a CD and like I would learn everything about the band. Yeah, thanks lists, um, production notes. Like I would just geek out on it. that. Was part yeah. of the experience for me. Now it's like you put a song on, you're like, yeah, this sucks. You kind of <clears> just move on. Well, the worst and also conversely, the worst part about that is like you'd save up like your money and you get a record for like 10, 15 bucks to bring it home, and it sucks. Right. That's worse. <laughs> that is yeah. worse. You're like, fuck, man. I remember being a kid and loving to look at re- my parents' records and stuff. Like, uh, for example, Fleetwood Mac, the Rumors album. Yeah, yeah. And when I would look inside, I thought that those guys were Sasquatches. <laughs> I thought that Lindsey Buckingham was a Bigfoot. Because <laughs> they had those the, the big Afro hair and the beards right. and everything. And, I, like, I had just seen the uh, Bionic Man episode where... <laughs> 
the uh, Bigfoot was on there. And so that's how I learned what a Sasquatch was. And then when I was looking at that record, I'd have it open up and I'm like, whoa, he's a Sasquatch. <laughs> and then Mick Fleetwood also looked like a Sasquatch too <laughs> when I was five. Anyway, but ironically, they, they you're exist. still connected to the record. Because you, right, because I you connected spent time to it. with the record. Because Sasquatches have telepathic powers. Jesus. You see. So <laughs> they were able to actually connect with me as a child. All right, conspiracy I'd, nut. <laughs> I'd, I'd say, though, that uh, the streaming services help prolong bands' careers. Uh, okay. Even, even reignite bands' careers. Because uh, record labels could, you know, years ago could uh, make a, you know, they, they, were, they were almost solely in charge of a band living or dying. Mm-hmm. But now a band can just live through their socials and through streaming. They don't really need a label. It's good to have a label. We're happy to be on Central Media, sure, because um, they they'll they'll back the record and the recording because um, it's worth it for them financially through these you know for the vinyl sales and streaming services to they get enough money to pay for a decent recording. Um, but it also helps bands. If this is our 20, 25th year, uh, right? If lab- if labels didn't believe in us anymore. Would we still have a touring career? I'm not sure we would. You know, you you need that extra backing. The whole industry, the whole, whole industry is kind of in bed together, and they mm-hmm. they've kind of adjusted and and, and figured out how to sure. move forward with streaming being <laughs> um, <laughs> being the, the the main the main way to uh, you know ingest or digest music. Right. Uh, I think I think we're in a decent spot. Right, and and a lot of time, and again, I'm not I'm not as ant I'm not super anti streaming. I'm anti that you guys don't get paid. But I, I, you know, streaming, I mean, I'm, we're anti reaming. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. But I, I mean, there is, there are advantages to it. There's the advantage. One of the advantages to the streaming is just when you're listening to a certain style of music, a lot of times I, I find out that bands are, are still alive just because their song gets thrown into the algorithm. You know, I'll be, yeah. I'll be listening to, I don't know, the new machine head album or something in the background and it'll end. And then it goes into that automatic where it just starts playing songs that it thinks you'll like, and I'll get an unearth song or I'll get a kill switch song or I'll get a, you know, or just something you haven't even heard of that you like, you know, yeah, or something new. But a lot of times it's like uh, some of the bands, like the other day I was listening to you guys's record. I, I put it on, on my, on my um i use youtube music and i they let you because they let you upload your stuff but it it still does that player thing after so i was listening to you guys's record getting ready for today and then it just started playing whatever when the record ended because i was off doing whatever i was doing and all of a sudden i got like a, a skin lab tune popped in and i was like ah skin lab forgot about those guys for a second did a quick search they're still out doing it i was like okay cool you know it's it's like it works it does work. There is there is some method to the madness. the The sad part is that it doesn't work in a way that you guys could say, "Well, here's my check that I made for this year of a hundred grand. Let's split it up, and you know, and we get something for this instead. Instead, it goes for a whole year, and you get, if you're lucky, you get a check for eleven hundred dollars or something. And somehow, I think even that's hard to find. I think you have to justify it by by. Uh... I know what you mean entirely, and I, I agree to a certain extent. But you have to justify it to your music being available to more people. True. And so I'm seeing really heavy tours sell a lot of tickets, more than mm-hmm. I think this this uh, the new wave of American heavy metal in the you know early mid 2000s hit. Yeah. Don't Our bands here. were playing big big rooms, but mm-hmm. I think bands now are playing even bigger rooms. Um, 
and it's like a new it's a new wave and i think heavy music is, is really alive and well right now and it's not kind of like a new golden age because so many sure. different different genres and subgenres, and they're all doing it well and they have access to promoting it on their socials and streaming and it's it's uh it's pretty exciting sure and, and you know one of the things i i always say this about the extreme bands especially bands like your band um the fan base way more loyal than pop metal bands or pop any bands really you know as far as they'll keep coming they'll they'll support what you're doing and i mean it's not a it's, it's unfortunate that it's not millions and millions of people across the united states that it's you know a hundred thousand people or whatever it is but they'll keep going and and it gives you guys that opportunity to keep touring which i think is fantastic you know I mean, you guys are getting ready to go out on this really if you're into heavy music, this is one of the tours everybody should be marking. This tour with um, Unto a Burning Body and um, 156 Silence, you know, that's a great tour if you're into if you're into heavy music, and people will show up for it. Where maybe maybe in the mid 2000s people might not have because they wouldn't have they'd be waiting for the Mayhem Fest or the you know the the bigger Ozfest type festivals where now. I think the the loyalty of the fans is there, and it proves it. Do you guys agree? Um, I, I think that if you put the right tour package together and it's promoted properly, then uh, and fans reacting to your, to, to to your music, you have the best chance of it doing well. So uh, we've seen a lot of positive feedback online about the tour, so we hope that it does well. Of course, sure. that's our first headliner, West Coast, Midwest, in about five years. Um, yeah, I mean, we have a, a really dedicated fan base. Like I said, it's 25 years. And uh, I think our fans realize what, what good, what, what real music is. Right. So, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of, of music fans might just lean towards pop stuff and like they listen to a song they like and move on to the next band. Uh, but if, if a band, if, if a fan is really into your, your catalog, that means they're, they're really a fan of, of, of what, what you're putting out there and they, they feel it. Um, and that's, that's what, that's what, what, that's what we've always strived for. And what I, I think this, this new record really, uh, really uh goes for right on people man. are uh bringing their kids to our shows now which is weird <laughs> to sacrifice so, them to say yes <laughs> sacrifice yes, them exactly. to the pit <laughs> <laughs> nice well dude it, it, i mean it, it's definitely awesome i'm i as a fan from way way back from i think the earliest days i i'm glad that you guys are still doing it because you guys you know no bullshitting around no ass kissing around you guys murder live straight up one of the best, most energetic punch in the nuts bands you're ever going to see is you guys. And mm -hmm. I would, I advise everybody to go see you guys. Even if you don't know a note of your music, people should go see it just because it is such an energetic show. Like you said, you guys are out. What, when does that tour start in May? Right. We, we start in three weeks, actually, oh. actually 18 days. We start in Europe. Uh, in Europe. We're doing a we're headlining tour. We're taking out Misery Signals, a killer, oh, really, very heavy band. Um, Year of the Knife, uh, another American band, really heavy hardcore. Sure. Uh, a sweet a Swedish band called Leech, and then uh, our friends in Turbid North are, are the opener. Okay. And then we, we come home for about two weeks, and then we go right back on the headliner, take out a Pawn and Burning Body, and one five six Silence, and that goes right into us direct support for the Halo Effect for seven days leading right up to uh, Milwaukee metal fest. So we got a pretty busy next, next few months. And then uh, in June, we head over to Europe for a handful of festivals. Wow. You guys are back full time, man. That's awesome. That's so good. Rec records coming May 5th. Gotta, gotta support it. That's Where right. Where do they go? Where the what website do they go to, to get the exact dates? Unearth official. 
all, all of our social media and our, our website, everything is just Unearth Official. Unearth Excellent. Official, everyone. There you go. So check that out, Unearth Official, and uh, be ready for it. May May fifth, as um as Trevor said, it is the wretched, the ruinous. It is a killer, killer, killer record. I cannot cannot say how good this record is, and without you guys thinking I'm just kissing your ass, but it You'd really. It really is fucking great. So kiss on Chris kiss on. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, guys, I figured what I would do is uh, wrap this one up with um, a little taste of the video for the wretched, the ruinous. Um, What can you tell me about this video? Wretched or mother betrayal? Uh, We did mother betrayal. Mother betrayal. Uh, This was that this treatment was actually written by, by Peter Lehman, who's playing guitar for us now. Um, I told him the, the the meaning of the song, and instead of being completely literal with the with the uh, environmental lyrics, he wanted it to be something a little more uh, artistic, and you can you can take the take a take take more of a story from it. And okay. um, he wrote the treatment. He hit up his friend uh, uh, Neil to do the the video, and he's all all into it. And he cast some actors and uh, check out the video. It's, it it tells a story of uh, Mother Nature sacrificing yourself to eradicate us very good man well one more time the album is the wretched the ruinous it is on earth and uh guys thanks so much for joining us here on chris presents appreciate you thank you thank you have a great tour fellas peace see you out there guys